from the horse capital of the world, the great city of Lexington, Kentucky. Welcome to Red Barn Radio, celebrating the music and artists of this Kentucky region. Tonight on Red Barn Radio, it's the Michelle Cannon Band. Two sides stood divided, battle lines were drawn. One army was outnumbered, seemed all hope was gone. Goliath was a bully with armor and sword. David had five stones and faith in the Lord. The odds were against him, David would not be denied. He took his best shot and watched that giant die. When your back's against the wall, facing trouble ten feet tall, you can run or you can fight. Take a stand. Feel pressure to belong Satan is the bully Itching for a fight But we have a secret weapon on our side Red Barn Radio's official radio partner is WEKU, public radio for Central and Eastern Kentucky. Listen online at weku.fm. Red Barn Radio is supported by Visit Lex, Lexington, Kentucky's Convention and Visitors Bureau. More information on what Lexington has to offer is at visitlex.com. Lex Arts, Lexington, Kentucky's Arts Council, creating a great American city inspired by the arts. Chef Greg Scott and Broussard's Delta Kitchen, featuring authentic flavors of New Orleans and the Mississippi Delta, with live music every weekend. On Main Street in historic Georgetown, Kentucky, Broussard's is on Facebook. Listen locally, working in concert with people to embrace opportunities, listen locally and engage in shared experiences, including music, theater, poetry, dialogue, and conversation. 
More information on Facebook, Instagram, and listenlocally.net. Griffin Gate Resort and Spa, a luxury spa located in the Marriott in Lexington, Kentucky. And AccuPrint, providing printing, design, and fulfillment. Online at AccuPrint.us. Good evening, I'm Brad Becker, here to welcome you to Red Barn Radio, now in its 18th broadcast season. In fact, tonight is Red Barn Radio's 681st live concert performance. Something there. Tonight, Red Barn Radio presents the Michelle Canning Band. Michelle is originally from North Andover, Massachusetts, and she currently resides in Nashville, Tennessee. Michelle is known as one of the most energetic performers of bluegrass and country music, and is a first-rate banjo player and vocalist, as you will find out. Please welcome the Michelle Canning Band to the Red Barn stage.
Here's Red Barn Radio's host, Brad Becker, speaking with the Michelle Canning Band. Here's Brad. Hi, folks. I'm Brad Becker, and we are here on Red Barn Radio tonight with the Michelle Canning Band. And it's Michelle Canning, obviously, playing the banjo there. Elizabeth Bowman is here playing the bass. Uh, Aaron Foster is playing guitar when he's not playing football. And Sarah Kate Morgan is over there on the dulcimer. And some of these folks have been with us here on Red Barn Radio before, but it's always great to see you all again. Oh, it's so great to be back. Wonderful to hear, you know, how the music is coming along and sorry where you're headed with your dream. Absolutely. It's it's a whole lot of fun to come back here, you know, especially it's been a few years since the last time and so it's fun to come and and play new music for you. We've got some some more new music coming up as well. When you were first on Red Barn Radio, Michelle, mm-hmm. would you say that was Maybe five or six years ago, even longer. Probably about five or six years ago, I was with the Moorhead State University Mountain Music Ambassadors the first time yeah, I performed here. Yeah, right. So I performed a couple times with them and a couple times with the Michelle Canning Band. And so this would be, I guess, my fourth time here at the Red Barn. Huh. You seem really, you know, always very comfortable. You've always seemed that way. Oh, thank um, you. Has that always been the case, that you are actually really, really comfortable? Have you just learned to smile through your tension. I think I love what I'm doing. I'm a lot more comfortable on stage than I am off. I don't know, it's just a performer thing in me, I guess, but I just I just enjoy being on stage and love being on stage. And it's easier for me to, to talk to you and to all of you and everybody online than it is to like be face-to-face with one person and just have a conversation. Should I ask the guys not to do any real close-ups on you then? I mean- <laughs> so you don't have that feeling? Just don't put the camera right there and I'll be fine. <laughs> All I want to do is hold you For the rest of your life All I want to do is sing to you Dry your tears when you cry You're the best thing that's happened to me In my whole life this I'll love you till I die till I die I'll hold you close I'll be there for you wherever life goes when you're up in the air and walking on clouds I'll be standing proud when life gets you down go wrong I'll remind you that you are strong and I'll be there when tears start to fall from those gorgeous sides my promise I'll love you till I
What is unusual about you as a banjo player, and especially a banjo player who went through Moorhead State, the traditional music program there, sure. is that you're a New Englander. I am. I'm originally from North Andover, Massachusetts, which is just north of Boston. Yeah. There aren't a lot of banjo players up there. Those of us who are there, we like each other, and we hang out and, and play music all the time. So we've got our little, uh, our little clan of, of bluegrassers. How did that happen? And, and how early in your life did it happen that you developed uh, affection for bluegrass music? I was actually eight years old, and huh? I was at my grandparents' house. I always loved country music. That's what my mom always had on in the car. And so I always loved it. And I was, I was at my grandparents' house. They were babysitting me. We had, you know, construction paper out. I was coloring, doing what eight-year-olds do. And I drew a guitar. And I said to my grandfather, let's make a band. And he said, okay, well, I'll play the guitar and you play the banjo. But I didn't know what a banjo was. You know, I was eight years old in Massachusetts, you know. <laughs> and so I just asked him, what's a banjo? And he said, well, hold on, I'll show you. And he pulled this banjo out from his closet that he had bought years ago and never learned to play. And he put it in my arms, and I just fell in love with it. Was it a, a resonator banjo? It was. Like it was a bluegrass banjo. Mm-hmm. Huh. Bigger than I was. The first maybe three years that I played the banjo, I had to have a capo on the fifth fret because I couldn't reach the top. So he introduced me to bluegrass music. He played me some records and started bringing me to concerts and whatnot. And the more I went, the more I wanted to play the banjo. And so I begged my parents for a banjo for Christmas. I begged Santa for a banjo for Christmas. I did not get a banjo for Christmas. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I know. You, it's such a bad right. climax. But then on New Year's, my grandfather was just as, as disappointed as I was that I didn't get a banjo for Christmas. So on New Year's, Pepe came through the door with his banjo, and he handed it to me, and I was all excited, and he said, no, it's yours. That was my first banjo that I learned to play on, and I've been playing ever since. Huh. The early morning dew Don't mean nothing to The man who's up to wash it all away Pressure in his hands Power with which to stand Float away 
A really good instructor, good teacher up there? I did. His name was Rich Stillman, uh-huh. and he's an incredible banjo player, an incredible person. It was actually a pretty cool story because I love this band called Southern Rail, and they were a band up in Massachusetts that they played all the New England circuit, and I would go see them all the time, and I got to know them, and, and they encouraged me to learn to play and whatnot. And so when I wanted to learn to play, my parents brought me to the local music store and said, do you have a banjo teacher? And they said, well, no, we don't, but we used to. And they gave me the number of this guy who used to teach there. So my parents called. (laughs) They said, you know, she loves this band called Southern Rail. And he paused. And he said, I used to play in that band. So we called Sharon, who was the leader of Southern Rail, and said, you know, tell us about this guy. And she said, oh, he's wonderful. So I started taking lessons with him. He ended up being an incredible teacher. I learned so much from him. And through me, he reconnected with Southern Rail, and when their banjo player uh, moved on to, to other things, they had Rich come back and play with them, and so now today, Rich is the banjo player for Southern Rail again. Oh, wow. That's a great story. I can smell the turkey roasting, table's almost set. Try to sneak some stuff in my meal, save it for the guests. Counting every second till we hear the doorbell ring. Can't wait for a taste of the pies on Shirley Green. Good to see you. It's been a little while. Good to see you. I miss your sweet. 
every room you walk into Massachusetts, where the banjo was not cool. I was just going to ask you that. Yeah, did the banjo win you friends or lose you friends, or um, neither? When I first started playing, I was only eight. People didn't really know what a banjo was, so they couldn't really call me a hick because they didn't know what it was. <laughs> so I was kind of saved by that. In middle school, it wasn't the coolest thing in the world. But in high school, I was kind of expecting to get picked on, and instead I got embraced, and they loved it. I played banjo in the jazz band in high school. I had a lot of friends in high school, that some that I'm still friends with today, and people really loved it there. Were you involved in music in school outside of your, you know, your personal interest in the banjo? I did jazz band in high school, and I was in the drama club. Before I played the banjo, I, I was not involved in music in any other way. Then you finished up high school. Mm-hmm. Did you know, you know from the time you graduated that it was a traditional music program where you wanted to go? Yeah, so I looked at a number of schools that had traditional music programs. What are some of the other ones, yeah? uh, Yeah, so I looked at East Tennessee State University. I looked at Bethel University, and then I looked at Moorhead. So I looked at those three schools and absolutely fell in love with Moorhead and knew that that's where I wanted to be. So you came to visit? Yeah, I came to visit. Raymond McLean was there. Oh, he was? And uh, he was the first person I met. He just made me feel so welcome. And then I started meeting the students, and the students made me feel welcome. Mm. And I remember leaving after we had met with everybody. I was walking back to the car, and Thomas Albert, who was a student at the time, chased me down just to say goodbye. And I thought, this is where I need to be. I'm welcome here, and people want me. And as soon as I came in as a freshman, I was part of the group. I wasn't the new girl. I was part of the group. And that yeah. was really special. First thing I remember was bluegrass in my ears. Grandpa led me to the stage, years later I'm still here. He and Grandma saw in me the man that I could be. 
need a plane and sing my angels without wings. God sent me two angels long before I came to be. And every step along the way, they've been there for me. Bought me my first martin, now God works through these strings. Thank God for sending me my angels without wings. Sermons don't tell, but they show their love for God and family shapes everything I know. Maybe someday I could be what they were to me someone else's blessing, an angel without wings. God sent me two angels long before I came to be, and every step along the way, they've been there for me. They bought me my smart and now God works through these strings. And I thank the Lord for sending me my angels without wings. Massachusetts. I did that just about every year from the time I was maybe 10 until 18 or so. And I won that a number of times and then placed a number of other times. And then in 2009, I actually became the youngest person and only female to win the New England Banjo Championship. Uh, and that yeah. was in Ossipee Valley, New Hampshire. What do you remember about that particular contest? Was, was there a lot of competition? There was. And I was by far the youngest in the competition. The week before my 15th birthday, there was a lot of people much older than me, and I didn't expect to win or to even place. I was just going to go and play. They called out third place, and it wasn't me, and I thought, well, then I've definitely not placed. And then they called out second place, and it still wasn't me, and I wasn't surprised because I didn't place. And then the MC was somebody I knew, and he said, <laughs> in first place, and then he looked me dead in the eye, oh, come on. and my heart stopped. And he said, Michelle, and before he could get out canning, the crowd went nuts. That's what I remember from that day is being shocked beyond belief. Coming up, more Red Barn Radio with the Michelle Canning Band. Recorded live from the Arts Place Performance Hall in Lexington, Kentucky. We're back with more from the Michelle Canning Band after this break. We'll be right back. This is Red Barn Radio.
Welcome back. Tonight we're with the Michelle Canning Band, recorded live from the Arts Place Performance Hall in Lexington, Kentucky. This is Red Barn Radio. I don't know that we've ever met before. Is this your first time on Red Barn Radio? Yeah. Not my first time in the building, though. When were you here in this building? Actually, I was with a duo called the Tea Lights. We played for the Old Time Festival. Tell us about your path to Moorhead. I was born there. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it was a short <laughs> path. Um, people at MSU, they're always like, where are you from? And I'm like, here. And they're like, why did you live in a dorm? And I didn't have a car, so I, I didn't want to cross a creek in the winter. Wandered down past Main Street and found the traditional music center. All right. <laughs> yeah, so a long path. That was really more my question, yeah. I guess. What about the path to the uh, traditional music program? So I'm a townie. The building used to be our public library where I spent all my time because I don't have friends. And it, they shut the library down and moved it. And forever I was like, Mom, what's that building? I was like a kid. Mom was like, I don't know. It says Kentucky Center for Traditional Music. And I was like, well, I don't like it because that was the library. They ruined it. There's a coffee shop in town that Grant Alden runs. And I was playing there at open mics. And he's like, you should introduce yourself to Raymond McLean. And I was like, who's that? And he was like, he's the director at the Traditional Music Center. I was like, I don't want to go down there. Because they ruined the library. Yeah, right. But eventually I went and auditioned, and they let me in for Tim. some reason. <laughs> what did you audition on? What instrument? Guitar. Okay. I think. Is that your principal instrument? Mandolin is my oh, major. Is. Oh, yeah. All right. Are you actually majoring, doing your BA 
in, in traditional music, music. In traditional music yeah. and with a focus on mandolin. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's funny because my dad uh, gave me this big lecture like dads do, and he's like, you need to pick a minor that's going to help you. And so I'm minoring in jazz music. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the other music building on campus. So... I just really don't want to make money when I'm older. Yeah, right. At least you weren't minoring in, like, the pan flute or something. That'd be silly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not doing that. You hear the talk all over town. And you know how quick word spreads around. Oh, there's always people who don't like what you do. Tyler Childers, a uh, fiddle player, and his wife was my elementary school music teacher. And then middle school, I had Nick Diedrichson for band. And then high school, Amanda Wells moved there. So, But I've noticed recently, the elementary school that I go to, I didn't see on their website that they have a music teacher. And so with everything that's going on in Kentucky, there's not a lot of music teachers at the elementary school level where I'm from. So... Demand is over at Lafayette now, I think, in... in Scapa. Or at Scapa, right. I think. Yeah, yeah. right, at Scapa Lafayette. She could probably help you find yeah. some work, I bet. So, Aaron, why, why do they call you Frosty? 
I really don't have a cool story, and I need to make one up. What it was is my roommate now, his name is Josh Mead. I went to East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, similar program. Uh, actually, uh-huh. Raymond was, uh, we'd figured it out. My first semester was your last semester at ETSU. Yeah, Kentucky <laughs> stole yeah. him from uh, yeah, there. Yeah. Right. I scared him off. They didn't even know me, but I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one of the first people I met there was Josh Mead, and he's my roommate now, and we've played a lot of music together. And my last <laughs> name was Foster, and it was like, I don't know, 3 a.m. on a Saturday, and he was like, uh, he asked me if I wanted to go to Waffle House, but he said, Frosty, do you want to go to Waffle House? And I didn't respond to him, but he just started calling me Frosty because my last name was Foster, and I'm from New York where it's supposed to be cold, I guess. And oh, okay. Another group of people there heard him say it, and it started there, and now it goes to the point where my professors at ETSU didn't call me my name. They called me Frosty, so... Well, That's kind of how it started, I guess. There's, yeah. a story, there's a story there. I think you could develop that a little I know, bit. Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, I, I want to <laughs> make it about wrestling a polar bear and winning, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> you could good. do that, yeah. and everybody, everybody yeah. would believe it. You're from upstate New York. Where? Uh, I'm from Wellsbridge, New York. The opposite side of New England, I guess, would be, what, Buffalo or something or, like that? Or but Binghamton. I'm a, a, or... Bing, well, I'm about 40 minutes um, north. East. East of Binghamton, yeah, yeah. Right, on, <laughs> right, on yeah. that, on 88, right? And I, yeah, Exit mm-hmm. 12 and 88, yeah. That great 88 road where you, there are never any cars on it. I, I, know, I yeah, love yeah, that Yeah, it's road. great. There are never any cars on it, and that's why they don't do construction on it, and that's why you can ruin your suspension just driving to Oneonta. Oh, <laughs> yeah, really? It's, yeah, it's pretty rough. It's a rough ride. How is it that bluegrass music came into your life living in it the was, boondocks uh, of New York? It, it was my grandparents. My grandparents were fans of bluegrass music and they on a whim uh i guess went to a bluegrass festival sometime in the 80s and they met the boys from indiana which i guys don't know if you guys don't know who the boys from indiana are they're great songwriters and entertainers in bluegrass music history and before they knew it they were so close with them that they were like running the boys from indiana suite at ibma in kentucky ibma being the Big uh, International Bluegrass uh. Music Association convention. They have lots of cool stories about, you know, running that suite with, like, you know, all of my heroes in the same room at the same time. And they've got photographs, you know, and photo albums that I have to go through. And some of them are in focus, some of them aren't. But you can still tell that it's Jimmy Martin in the room or, you wow. know, whoever, whoever it may be. They uh, started taking me to festivals when I was in diapers. I don't even remember my first bluegrass festival. I think back as hard as I can, and I think my first memory was the Peaceful Valley Bluegrass Festival in Shinhopal, New York, eating an ice cream cone with my granddad watching Jim and Jesse play. And I remember being really shy at that festival. Jim and Jesse were, Jim McReynolds came up to me and uh, was trying to get me to, you know, get on his shoulder or something, and I was so shy, but I was so starstruck. It was the first time I remember being real starstruck. And you know, Really, as a kid, you know, they had the hair slicked back, you know, the whole thing. Yeah, and it was in right. like, suit and ties. Everything about them was godly in a way, you know. So yeah. as a little kid, I was a little shy, and I wish I could go back to that time and <laughs> climb gym, you know. But, yeah. And then uh, huh. they ran into the Gibson brothers. The Gibson brothers are from Plattsburgh area of New York, yeah. you know, upstate New York. They kind of took me under my wing when I started playing because when I was 10 years old, uh, I was going to these festivals, and after the show was over, there was nothing literally left for me to do, but I saw all these people picking at the, you know, their campers and stuff, and I was like, you know, I'd like to participate in that so I don't have to do nothing and you just go to bed or whatever. I asked for Christmas that year for a guitar, and uh, Eric Gibson picked me out a Alferez RD8. My grandparents bought it uh, at, uh, I think it's uh, Dick's Country Store Music Oasis in Cherubusco, New York. They picked it up for me, got it for Christmas, and uh, fast forward, here I am. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. 
he's home, tired, sad, and lonely. She's been gone now nearly a year. He finds comfort looking at old photos, but pictures can't replace her. His son stops by, he sees his grandkids. Oh, he loves them, but he don't know their names. He reads a card that says happy birthday, but he can't remember. Sarah Kate, you've been on here before. We've talked many times, and so I, I hope I'll, I'll have something fresh to ask. <laughs> you know, I don't know that many of us have ever seen the dulcimer played as a lead instrument. You know, when you started playing dulcimer, and once you realized you were really good at it, did you set out to just be the best traditional dulcimer player 
ever, or did you ever imagine that you might sort of innovate with that instrument? Well, I, I had a lot of folks that that um, that encouraged me to go beyond the traditional style, traditional whatever that means, you know. And, and the dulcimer, in and of itself, is a very young instrument. It's not an instrument that has hundreds and hundreds of years of history that backs up how we're supposed to play this instrument. In many, many ways, the dulcimer is still evolving, and so people are building in lots of different styles. People are playing in lots of different styles. In terms of what I do is, is just part of the process of, of evolving this instrument. Do you ever imagine that at some point, for instance, you might, have you ever plugged it in, ever done anything like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like coming. Um, I've, my, my dulcimer has the capability to be electric. I've got to pick up on it. And there's lots of folks that like are building solid body electric dulcimers, which is wild. Um, huh. It's not, not, not what necessarily what I want to invest my time in, but there's lots of folks that are doing that. And yeah, it's an, it's an exciting time. Honestly, I think I would have assumed that the dulcimer was an ancient instrument. It started as sort of the ingenuity of immigrants coming from uh, Germany and Austria from diff- several different instruments that are in the zither family. And mm. when they immigrated to America, they didn't necessarily have the resources to replicate those really complex instruments. And so they sort of used what they had in their memories of these instruments back home and the dulcimer sort of evolved from those instruments yeah what other instruments do you play i play upright bass i play Uh upright bass and i'm I'm learning guitar yeah any other instruments to which the sort of dulcimer technique transferred you know easily my my strumming hand has really transitioned into playing guitar really well Uh because you know playing dulcimer requires a lot of strumming it's a very strummy instrument so i've developed a a strong right hand and that has that has sort of shifted onto mount dulcimer or guitar rather have you ever hammered no i have not played hammer dulcimer i'm surprised it's funny that you mentioned that because hammer dulcimer and mountain dulcimer are two different instruments yeah they have absolutely zero in common (laughs) well they have the same name they both are called dulcimers yeah yeah the the hammer dulcimer is an ancient persian instrument that is the precursor to the piano it's one of the oldest instruments in the world and the mount dulcimer is uh is a one of the newest instruments in the world it's an appalachian instrument but i think people just looked at looked in the bible and the dulcimer is mentioned in the bible so throughout history there's been lots of different instruments that have been called dulcimer there's a like a lyre kind of instrument that used to be called the dulcimer and the dulcimer the word itself means sweet sound in greek so lots of different instruments have been called it just right now in 2020 this just happens to be the dulcimer (laughs) yay well that's pretty neat i I learned something new tonight how recently did you become the very best in the world (laughs) oh i don't know about that well uh i mean it was it was quite a while ago it was it was back in 2010 i was the Uh uh, 2012 sorry the 2012 national mountain dulcimer championship and it was a really fun experience it really made me practice and really hone my skills at that time was that in the south or was that in the south or was that out in winfield in kansas it was winfield kansas with the, the national flat picking competition Competitions and they oh, have okay. banjo and fiddle and guitar and, and everything, all kinds right. of things and dulcimers included. That's a really, really good contest to win. Don't you tell me that it hurt you that day That you saw the soft feelings you had You're sorry that it all ended this way That you never meant to make me feel bad
would like to thank the Michelle Canning Band for being with us this evening. We also thank our volunteers for their help with our production each week. Very special thank goes out to Nick Lazaroff for his terrific production photography. And thank you all for listening to our webcast, watching us on YouTube Live, and those listening to us on the Red Barn Network of Stations. Thanks to WEKU, Red Barn Radio's official radio partner, Public Radio for Central and Eastern Kentucky. Listen online at weku.fm. It's your chance to hear more great live Kentucky music from Red Barn Radio and WEKU. Last but far from least, we also thank the members of our studio audience for supporting the mission of Red Barn Radio, which strives to present, promote, preserve, and share the rich musical magic of this Kentucky region. Red Barn Radio comes to you from our home, the Arts Place Performance Hall in downtown Lexington, Kentucky. Our website has updates and further information on our guests and our program. We're on the web at redbarnradio.com. Tickets for Red Barn Radio are now available at eventbrite.com Lexington. And now, once again, give it up for the Michelle Canning Band here on the Red Barn stage. Red Barn Radio would like to thank Michelle, Elizabeth, Aaron, and Sarah 
the Michelle Canning Band for being with us tonight. Red Barn Radio's official radio partner is WEKU, public radio for Central and Eastern Kentucky. Listen online at WEKU.FM. Thanks also to IPNJ Cuban Foods, authentic Cuban food with a South Florida twist, featuring premier Cuban sandwiches, plantain nachos, traditional Cuban plates, and more. IPNJ Cuban is on Facebook and Instagram. Listen locally. Working in concert with people to embrace opportunities, listen locally and engage in shared experiences, including music, theater, poetry, dialogue, and conversation. More on Facebook, Instagram, and listenlocally.net. The Griffin Gate Marriott Resort and Spa is the ideal choice for your next visit to Lexington, Kentucky. AccuPrint, providing printing, design, and fulfillment. Online at AccuPrint.us. Support for Red Barn Radio also comes from LexArts, Lexington, Kentucky's Arts Council, creating a great American city inspired by the arts. And Visit Lex, Lexington, Kentucky's Convention and Visitors Bureau. More information on what Lexington has to offer is at visitlex.com. Red Barn Radio's executive producer is Ed Commons, who also directs our show. Associate producer and booking manager is Warren Cobb. The music for this episode was mixed by Adam Schettinger. The Red Barn Radio playout theme, Wookie Foot, was taken from a live performance of The Wooks here on Red Barn Radio. WookoutAmerica.com You can attend a Red Barn Radio concert in person. Performance times and dates are at RedBarnRadio.com Thanks so much for listening. We'll be here on this station next week at the same time as we celebrate the music and artists of this Kentucky region. I'm the voice of Red Barn Radio, Tom Brown. Red Barn Radio is a production of Red Barn Radio, LLC.